0: bonjour that's my uh creole hello bonjour it's not bonjour bonjour um it is a brand new loftus party you have found it america it's michael loftus here with my buddy uh andrew apple say hello there andrew
1: hello michael how are you doing on this fine sunday
0: it's a frustrating sunday as we record this uh It's the whole Baton Rouge thing is going down. And you know me, I want answers. I want solutions. I don't like to wallow around in confusion. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to point fingers. I don't want to reach decisions. I want to be, I want to be calm, cool, and level headed about this whole thing. It just looks bad, Andrew. It looks really bad. Yes, it does. And, and, and some people are dead. Some police officers are dead. And I'm, I'm tired of, that happening. And I'm tired of like thoughts and prayers, uh, because it turns into a hollow gesture. I mean, truly my thoughts and prayers, it's, it's horrible to say it, but like my thoughts and prayers are with them. I pray for the the families of the victims and and all of that. It just, it just feels so hollow. I'm an American. I like to do stuff. I want to say, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Let's go.
1: And that's a great but, way to look at this.
0: And having to wait is just driving me bonkers. So as hollow and horrible as it sounds, uh, my thoughts and prayers do go out to uh, the victims. Those, I feel horrible for those cops. That is not an easy job. And here we go. My, my knee-jerk reaction, let's go knee-jerk reaction, and then we can look back at this, and it'll be a case study in what not to do. Uh, I think the cops should just, like, blue-fluid. Just totally blue-fluid tomorrow. We're not going. We're not going. Enjoy life without us, America. Now you'll see how important we are. And let a couple of cities burn, and then everybody will go, Oh, we miss you, policemen. Please come back. You made our lives better. I am just... Ah, uh, it's just... just makes me sick. And it's such a big week. There's so much going on this week. There's so much other stuff that I want to talk about. My goodness, uh the uh the nice attack how horrible was that
1: that was pretty horrible and we don't quite know what's going on there's not a lot of information coming out because first they said it was isis now they're saying it's not isis now they're saying well he was an isis sympathizer but he wasn't directly associated with them and france isn't giving us any information about it
0: i know they've made a couple more arrests and i tell you i don't think uh isis has um uh, membership cards, you know, I don't think you have to, I don't think you sign up for ISIS and you get a, an official membership card and you don't get your picture taken, uh, next to, uh, some hottie in a, in a hijab or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think the dude was radicalized. I think that's safe to say. I think these kinds of uh, attacks with vehicles have been going on in Israel for a long, long time. Yes, they have. This guy just did it on a much bigger scale. So, yeah, Uh, he might not be affiliated with ISIS. I think it's safe to say he wanted to be. I think it's safe to say he wanted to be. But here's the here's the little bit of optimism in this. They let his wife go. They arrested his uh his ex wife, they questioned her and they let her go. That dude tried to do some Sharia law bullshit on her. I guess he smacked her around, and she said, no thank you, I'm leaving. So I celebrate that lady. She is awesome. But the niece thing, here's what I'm the other thing I'm sick of. This there's gonna be a lot of complaining uh on my end here today. The tragedy in France. The tragedy in France. Like, I, I don't, it, it's, it's murder. I know I said it last week, and I will keep saying it's just straight up murder. That tragedy is something else completely. And then, I, I, I don't like to be reactive to this. Some moron, uh, on some news outlet, I, I think it was MSNBC, was like, they didn't have any barricades up. They didn't have any, oh, really? We're gonna blame, we're gonna blame, uh, Security. We're going to blame traffic cops in Nice. Like, I I hate it when they blame the victim.
1: No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, when we are defending someone who did something that was the complete opposite of common decency, and our rationale is, oh, well, they should have known that someone was going to come in and do something inappropriate. Why aren't we switching the conversation to why is it okay that this person did something inappropriate, illegal, wrong? Mean?
0: Yeah. They should have had those traffic things up so a a car couldn't get through. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so those are my thoughts on Nice. Uh, And they've arrested a couple. They're questioning uh, other people. France has a heck of a problem there. Holy smoke. My phone just crashed. I was looking up a Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing. Did you see that whole Ruth Bader Ginsburg deal? Yes, I did. What did she do this time, that crazy lady?
1: Well, I mean, she was critical of Donald Trump.
0: Do you think that's cool for a Supreme Court justice just to step in it like that, just to start talking about a presidential election?
1: Well, what I want to know, your opinion on the subject, I mean, are you offended by what she said or that she said anything? Because I don't think she should have said anything, but I looked at what she said, and nothing she said was wrong or untrue. It was just critical. Uh, I don't think she should have commented I didn't think you're are you allowed to do that isn't there like a code of conduct
0: with uh, Supreme Court justices or uh, or judges in general
1: I mean there's no official rule but yes it is very rare uh, although it has precedent I mean Samuel Alito came under fire in 2010 when he openly disagreed with Obama during the State of the Union address is he
0: the guy that right? you lie?
1: No, Samuel Alito is one of our Supreme Court justices. The guy who yelled, you lie, has been forgotten by history, so we're not going to applaud him.
0: No, there was a Supreme Court justice who's like, no, that's not true. He like mouthed the word and shook his head, head no. Wasn't that, was that John Roberts?
1: No, no, no. That was Samuel Alito. Yeah, he, during the State of the Union address, he was caught on camera shaking his head and saying not true.
0: Yeah, not true. Not true. Yeah, I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, should have kept her uh, little mouth shut.
1: Well, and here's the only thing that I would respond to that with. It's like the main thing that she said was that Trump flies off the cuff, that he says whatever he feels in the moment, which is something that he's been celebrated for on this very podcast. She said he
0: was a faker. Come on. You knew what she said.
1: Yeah, so he says whatever comes into his head at the moment.
0: She said, I can't imagine what this place would be. I can't imagine what the country would be with Donald Trump as our president.
1: Well, I don't think anyone can necessarily imagine what he would be because we've never had a president like him.
0: Sure we have, Andrew. We've had a couple of them. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan.
1: What was the reality TV show that Abraham Lincoln hosted? Which one was that?
0: Uh well, it was the Lincoln Douglas debates. I tell you what, if you wanna go if you wanna go down to politics as entertainment, I think they sold a lot of tickets to those debates back way before TV. I think politics is entertainment. I think uh I think President Obama slow jamming the news. That's that was hysterical when Obama is like, This isn't an entertainment. He's done more late night TV shows. He like, really? He's he's talking with the the, the chick from uh, gets in a, a bathtub full of Jello on YouTube. He's having a real conversation with her and he's telling that, that and he's going to say that the, the, the presidency isn't about an entertainment factor. <laughs> That's rich. That is rich.
1: Well, what do you say to those who respond to that by saying, well, he's trying to reach out to the American people in a place that they will find it? Because, I mean, let's be honest, we're not all going to WhiteHouse.gov and watching his videos there. Some of us are following him on Twitter, but if he's trying to get his message out to the American people, what do you say to those who say, well, that's just him reaching younger voters in the places where they get their media?
0: I'm saying that if that's true for him, it's true for Donald Trump. Sorry, I'm popular. Sorry, I had a hit TV show. Sorry, I have huge name recognition. Everybody knows who I am.
1: So how do you feel uh, going into the Republican National Convention? Is this going to be just a big reality TV show? I mean, what are your thoughts about what's going to happen? Well, here's,
0: here's, what, here's my big fear is about the Republican. And I'm not, I'm not really not worried about violence. Uh, at, at the RNC. Now, watch that. That'll come back to haunt me. Watch something horrible <laughs> will happen tomorrow. Uh, I, I wish Donald Trump knew better, like talent bookers. Like, I looked at some of the names. Oh, my. I mean, Scott Bayo. Okay. Okay. And then uh, who else is going to be there, Andrew?
1: Antonio Sabato Jr., soap opera star.
0: Right? I mean, come on. We, we gotta do better than that. We gotta do better than that. Although, here's the good thing about, uh, uh, Antonio Zabato Jr., and here's the good thing about, uh, Scott Bayo. Those dudes, uh, are actors, and I think they're gonna look at ease, and they're gonna hopefully, uh, perform well. Hopefully, they will, they will, they will act their way into something, uh, fantastic. But right now, I'm not, I'm not blown away by the names.
1: Well, uh, we should at least point out that Trump has done something very progressive uh, because he got PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel to step up. And he's going to be only the third person to ever speak at the convention uh, who is openly gay and the first person to do it on the main stage.
0: That's a good thing. That's fantastic. Absolutely. More about the RNC uh, uh, convention. We've got a reporter embedded there. We've got uh, we got our very own Stacy Lennox, and she's going to be doing some reports from the RNC. So go to uh, the Flipside Facebook page. She's going to be doing some live streaming. We're going to be t- uh, tweeting with her on Flipside Loftus. That's going to be a lot of fun. So when things do happen at the convention in Cleveland, we're going to have it first with Stacy Lennox.
1: I'm looking forward to that. Stacey's a lot of fun.
0: Stacy is a good time. She is quite the awesome human being. You got bikers for Trump showing up. Yes, you do. Boy, that's got me nervous. That's got me nervous. Why is that? Those bikers. I like I like me the bikers. I'm a huge, huge fan of the motorcycle clubs. Uh, I just want I want cooler heads to prevail. Please, please don't start anything. You can end all of it. It's like I tell my kids. This is how I was raised. You're not allowed to start a fight. You're not allowed to hit first. But if somebody hits you, you should just end the fight. Just jump in and and make sure it's over. So bikers for Trump, do not swing first. But boy, if you get hit, hit back hard.
1: Not that we promote violence on the Loftus Party.
0: No, no. Violence is never the answer unless Nazis are trying to take over the world then violence is the answer. (laughs) Violence is never the answer unless someone's trying to kill you. And then violence is the answer. Uh, And and if if the Japanese are trying to take over the world, violence might be the answer. Actually, I'm going to take it back. Sometimes we do promote violence (laughs) uh, on the show. (sighs) Sometimes violence is the answer.
1: All right. So speaking of nonviolence, speaking of speaking in general, uh, we have a uh, former presidential candidate, Ted Cruz, will be given time to speak at the Republican National Convention. Yay. What do you think he's going to say?
0: Um, I think he's going to try to do like a Ronald Reagan thing. When Reagan didn't get the nomination one time, I guess he spoke at the convention and he just wowed everybody and everybody's like, oh, we got to go with that Reagan fellow the next time around, which is what they did. So I don't know how Ted Cruz is going to try to do it. But if I were him, I would be trying to set myself up for 2020. I would have my fingers crossed that Trump was a complete and total disaster and that Hillary just wins in a landslide. And then I would wrap myself up in a big blanket of you could have had me, America. You could have had me. But here's the sad reality. It's never going to be Ted Cruz. I hear he's the nicest guy in the world. I hear he's a super sweetheart. And when you meet him, it's fantastic. However... There's something about that dude that comes across as just too, like, I want to pick my words very carefully here. Uh, I don't find him to be trustworthy. I feel like he's selling something. Uh, You know what? If he was the guy, I'd vote for him.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, let, let, let me ask you this, because obviously you are the spokesman for making the Republican Party awesome. Yeah. If it were Hillary Clinton versus Godzilla, all right, let's say Godzilla. Who do you vote for?
0: Oh, I'd go for Hillary Clinton because Godzilla, you know, he's just a monster.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, is there any Republican who they could put in against Hillary Clinton? And obviously we're talking active Republican here. Uh, Or celebrity. I don't know if you wanted to pick Chuck Norris as an option. That would be okay. But is there anyone that the Republicans could run against Hillary Clinton that would make you say, I think Hillary is a better option?
0: Not really. Nobody jumps out at me. What Hillary Clinton represents to me and what uh, the Democrats represent to me is that uh, big government is the solution, which it never is. It just never is. It's a giant waste of money machine. That's all it is, and, I, and, it's, and it's being proven right now. Like Hillary Clinton spent forty million dollars. She has run thirty thousand ads already. Already, forty million bucks she spent, and she, it's pretty much a tie. You know how much money Donald Trump has spent? You know how many ads he's run?
1: Hardly zero. any. Zero. Yeah.
0: Zero. That dude, zero dollars, and it's a tie. I like the. I like those results. That seems like it's a better value for my dollar. <laughs> like, like, uh, big government is never the, I, I love, I love it when they, I love it when they talk about, uh, government stepping in to help out neighborhoods. Government can't step in and help out neighborhoods. All government can do is ruin perfectly good neighborhoods. The way government, here's how, here's how the government can help. They can repave the roads. They can make sure that the sewers work. Uh, and then that's it. Beyond that, get out of the way. In my in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio, there was this lovely little area called the Short North, and there was cool clubs, and and uh, there was a nightlife scene, and there was art, and there was theater. And then the city came in and said, we're going to help them out. We're going to help them out. And they built some giant monstrosity, and do you know what happened to the Short North? It moved. It moved away from the giant monstrosity. It's like, stop trying to help, government. You just make it uncool.
1: Okay, so let's, uh, let's talk uh, ways the government can help. Do you think that the government should be promoting small business loans?
0: Yeah, they can help out small businesses. They can, uh, they can do that uh, FDIC thing. They can uh, help out, but not too much, or else you'll get into the same problem you have right now with the college student loans. Big government is responsible for the, the state of affairs with student loans. The reason colleges are going to hell in a handbasket right now is because the federal government said, we're going to make college more affordable. We're going to guarantee these student loans. And if you were the head of the university, you're like, wow, this is fantastic. The government's going to back up these loans. So guess what? I'm going to loan you money. I'm going to loan you money. I'm going to loan you money. Oh, and the price of tuition, it just got super expensive. And I'm sorry that the class size is so huge and there's barely a handful of professors, but uh that's the cost of doing business. So it's actually made the education worse for what you get for your money, and you owe a boatload of money because the the federal government is backing up the loans.
1: So then do you support uh, allowing student loans to be absolved through bankruptcy?
0: Let's do that. Let's let all the students, as of this moment, let's just try it. Let's just say, every kid who's got a student loan, your debt is forgiven just forget it. Bankruptcy, we'll make up a new word. We'll call it uh, crankruptcy or (laughs) whatever. Uh, You don't know another name. And guess what? There's no more government-backed student loans. It goes back to the old school way. If if you didn't have the money, you didn't go to college. You know what will happen then? Colleges will have to work harder to get that money. So colleges will come up with solutions, and you'll have – More innovation, and you'll have new colleges opening up, and it'll be amazing how affordable they are because when that revenue stream gets cut off, they're going to have to improve what they do.
1: Well, what do you say to the critics who would argue that all they're going to do is start appealing to those who still have money, the people in the highest echelon, and just charge them more, which they'll pay because they have it?
0: Right. That. That. Yeah. You. You're always going to have your Harvards and your Yales and your whole Ivy leagues. We're the expensive. Therefore, we're the best. However, other colleges are going to have to. They're going to have to adapt if they want to have that huge revenue stream. Boom, bada, boom, boom, boom. We solved that crisis. That's that's your housing crisis too, there, Andrew Apple. I tell you what. Way way back in the day. Uh I, I think even before Ronald Reagan uh, might have been Jimmy Carter. It's like X, X amount of home loans are going to be, you know, the federal government's going to back them up and we're going to make these loans affordable. And then Reagan said, we're going to do that even more. We're going to make even more of these loans available. And Bill Clinton was like, we're going to make even more because it made him popular. It's like, look, we're giving we're giving money to poor people. Look at us. We're giving homes to poor people. And it reached a tipping point. Where all of the bankers knew they were being forced to loan money to people that were never going to be able to pay it back. There was no way. And they were going to lose their homes. And then you had Wall Street gambling on, well, when is this going to reach the tipping point? I think the, I think it's going to be now. I think it's not going to be. I think the government's going to have to do this. I think that's why nobody went to jail Nobody went to jail because that, that whole thing, when you start loaning money to people that you know for a fact they can't pay it back and they're going to lose their house, uh, <laughs> that's just a recipe for disaster. And that was straight from the federal government. That was straight from, we're going to help out everybody. Whenever the, whenever the federal government says, I'm here to help, uh, run screaming. They are not set up to do it. That's what I I'm – sound, I'm sounding like a total tin tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy guy right now.
1: No, you're doing all right, actually. I mean you and I are in agreement with 90 percent of everything that you're saying. You know, It's like when people know that there's a safety net, they're going to take advantage of that safety net however they can do it, whether that be what caused the housing crisis or what caused the student loan crisis. The question that ultimately comes up is that, well, these are the situations that we're in. And do we want to start to get out of them and find solutions, or do we just want to keep the status quo?
0: Well, here's the deal: <clears throat> you want to find solutions. However, it, it appears to me that when when people on the left uh, talk about finding solutions, it's just solutions that they like. It's not real solutions. It's like with Brexit. You know, everybody voted in uh, in. In Great Britain, uh, to decide whether they wanted to stay in the EU or leave the EU. They left. They had, they voted, the majority wins, and they're like, we want to leave. And then immediately, the, the people on the left in, in, in England are like, well, we, we're going to sign a petition to have a do-over. Everybody loves, everybody loves democracy when their side wins. It's like when Obama Uh, he's like, Hey, y'all, y'all need to start winning elections. If you guys win some elections, then we'll, then we'll do what you want. And then the Republicans won. We won the House and the Senate. And Obama's like, well, that doesn't really count because, uh, the majority of, uh, my people didn't vote. Like, Hey, sorry, dude. You were just, you literally, you literally told Republicans to go out there and win elections. And then we did. And then you're like, well, that doesn't count. I'm going to fight you tooth and nail.
1: Well, what what do you say to the critics of what you just said, that Obama's trying to have a dialogue and bring the Republican ideas to the table, but the Republicans uh, are really just trying to be more obstructionist? That's one of the arguments the liberals are making.
0: They always make that argument, but he never does. Obama hasn't brought Republicans in to, to work on anything.
1: What has he brought him in on? Well, again, he wor- he's trying to work with Congress. He'd like to see an immigration bill. He'd like to uh, reform Social Security, but there hasn't been any conversation. The Republicans uh, – are being accused of not bringing any ideas to the table
0: he didn't he didn't ask for anybody's help in Obamacare he's like we got the votes I don't need them. he didn't ask for any Republican help in that and right now I'm all for obstructionists I'm all for like slow it down slow it way down people always do that. like Congress isn't doing anything good good I hope they all just sit on their hands like like idiots
1: And we should comment that they are actually sitting on their hands right now because they're on vacation this month. So nothing bad is going to happen right now, uh, unless it happens at the Republican National Convention. Well, they had
0: that moronic sit-in. Boy, every that's that's the thing to do. Like right at right after uh, Orlando, a bunch of Democrats had that giant sit-in. We're not going to leave till we pass legislation. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Is that, is that when you want to pass a law when you're that like hyped up with, with emotions? That's like the, that's like the villagers, uh, in, in, in Frankenstein land going, the monster's loose. We got a path. It's like, go burn down the castle. How about you wait? And how about you, you find out Frankenstein's monster, uh, is just misunderstood and Frankenstein's monster is actually a pretty nice guy. How about that?
1: Well, can I actually pivot to someone who's already being attacked before we've had a chance to hear what he really has to say? Do it. Who's getting attacked? Mike Pence.
0: Mike Pence. I, I tell you what, I, I saw the announcement the other day on the news. Donald Trump comes out there and he's in classic classic uh, Trump form, and he's riffing, and he's lying, crooked Hillary, and he's like, we're going to make America great again, and he's just like talking to the crowd, and then he introduces Mike Pence, and then Mike Pence comes out and is just such a boring, by-the-book politician. He's got the cadence. He's got the little catchphrase. You can see like, he's got a line that he thinks is going to be popular, and so he waits for the applause, but the applause don't come. And then it's kind of awkward and everybody's like, oh, Mike Pence, he's such a great pick. And he probably is. You know, if it if it calms down a bunch of the never Trump people, if it calms down the rest of the party, uh, then I guess he's a good pick. But I tell you what, that guy is a snooze fest compared to Donald Trump. He's got this one line. He says, "Uh, I'm a Christian. I'm a conservative and I'm a Republican in that order. And he said it before. And usually it gets a big applause line. It gets like an applause break. Right. In comedy, you say it's an applause break. Mm -hmm. Uh, He tried it. He tried that thing out after Trump. I'm a Christian. I'm a conservative. And I'm a Republican in that order. And then he waited and nothing happened. (laughs) And then he just had to keep going. Oh, boy. He's got a lot to learn. Mike Pence needs to go to uh, regular guy school. That's what I should do. I should open up the Loftus Party Regular Guy School for Politicians. Like, here's how to here's how to behave as if you were just a citizen of this country, and that you actually like watch TV and you went to the grocery store and you did things that normal normal people do. That's actually a great idea. I will take politicians and teach them how to be regular people. It'll be like Hogwarts. It'll be like Hogwarts. Like you walk up and I have to put you. I have to put you in one of four different classes.
1: And what would those classes be, Michael?
0: Um, Off the top of my head, uh, stop the way you're talking. Like, I hate this way. Politicians do this thing. It's like swing set talking. There's a little cadence. There's a little cadence. And there's a thing at the end. I can't stand it. The problem with these Democrats, the problem with Hillary Clinton, the thing with Barack Obama— they just don't get it. Da 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 da. We could set it all to music.
1: I'm a big fan of that idea.
0: I am too. I love the logo. I I wish they hadn't switched the logo. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so for those who haven't seen it, uh, the logo was a T inside of a P.
0: The bottom, the bottom of the T was going into the opening of the P. Yes. It's like they were kind of stacked.
1: It kind of looked like the T was penetrating the P. That's what people are and saying. That, I, I
0: love how the, the, the liberals and the Democrats immediately, like the first thing they thought of was like, ooh, that looks dirty. And then, and you know what? I, I, I would have left it. I would have left it. Yep. It is a sodomy reference. That's exactly what it is. Uh, I am Donald Trump. I am the top. Mike Pence is the bottom, which is kind of the truth. He's the president; the other guy's vice president. There is a, like a top-bottom relationship. It is wonderful. I've seen some Hillary stuff. Some people with her thing, where like you've got the you got the H, and then there's the uh, the red thing going through the middle. Yep. Somebody said that that reminded them of a of a plane flying through the World Trade Center.
1: Ooh, ooh that that's and still too you, soon.
0: And I tell you what, once I I read that tweet uh and I looked at it that way that's the only way you can see it ever it's like it's like wow wow that's the only way you can see it after that you're welcome andrew now <laughs> it's the only way you can see it yeah here's a fun here's a fun little story I did an interview with a uh, with a reporter from the AP it'll come out tomorrow tomorrow being monday uh and you know what he tells me what's that he says uh the reason he's doing the article the reason he wants to talk about to me uh was because you know I'm a, I'm a republican I'm a conservative and I'm and I do jokes and I have a comedy show and blah 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 so he's done some research he's talked to some uh, smart people at universities and colleges and usually uh in a in a presidential election the jokes are 6 to 1 meaning for every one joke uh, a comedian on television makes about the liberal, they make six six jokes about the conservative. Those are the normal numbers. Now, the numbers are still coming in over Donald Trump, but he knows that it's going to be way, way, way bigger than that. It's going to be – right now it's closer to like 12 to 1. He wanted to know my thoughts on that, and here are my thoughts. Uh, it's tough to make fun of Hillary Clinton because there's no one home. That she is just a political machine. She has no soul. Like you can make fun of Donald Trump because yeah, you've got the you got the spray tan jokes and you got the oh look at his hair. Goo goo, that took a long time. Uh but he's more of a character. He's got the New York thing, he's got catchphrases, he's just a bigger person than she is. I wish there was more to make fun of with Hillary, but she's just a, a political machine. She's been in office, she's Held some kind of public office for like, what, the last 33 years?
1: Yeah, the one exception is for about the past uh, roughly four years or so, she's been a private citizen, which is when the whole Goldman Sachs controversy came out. That's when she wrote her most recent book. But yes, other than the past four years, she has been in public life. Uh, one Before Secretary of State? Right before Secretary of State, she had been the senator from New York. Right. And right before that, she had been the first lady of the country. Yeah. And then right before that, she had been the first lady of Arkansas. <clears throat> Boy,
0: she did well, though. She did well for herself. She made some money when she was secretary of state. She did pretty well. The Clinton Foundation, that's pretty awesome, right?
1: And that's going to be part of the conversation. That's what I'm really looking forward to in the debates and hearing her talk about that.
0: Now- yeah. And I tell you what, it's like for everything that she can criticize Trump for— He's got like a checkmate. She's going to go Trump University, and then he's going to go Laureate University, which is on a much bigger scale. Like Donald Trump, a couple million bucks. With her, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, and Laureate University, Bill Clinton's on the payroll there. I think he makes like $10, 15000000 million a year. On, he's on the – like what does he do for Laureate University and who funds this thing? Uh, And then and then she'll do the w- whatever she'll criticize uh, Trump about Atlantic City. That's why she gave a speech from Atlantic City going like Donald Trump ruined this city. And then he can go to Libya and he can give a speech from Libya and he can be like Hillary Hillary Clinton ruined this country. It'll be great.
1: And again, it's going to be more of a reality TV show than a debate, you know.
0: Uh, you know, I, I'm OK with that if it's a reality TV show, as long as some more her dirty laundry comes out. Hey, what do you think about this? Uh, what do you think about this uh, attempted coup in Turkey?
1: Uh, you know what? I've been trying to figure this out, and it's one of the weirdest things I've ever read, because first it was an attempted coup and then it was overthrown and then the cleric who was accused of leading the coup came out and said i didn't have anything to do with that and then meanwhile the president of turkey all of a sudden he's being accused of trying to become a dictator it's it's one of the craziest things i've ever read
0: it is fascinating uh first of all the guy's name erdogan yes right yes sounds like sounds like an extra from game of thrones right <laughs> I am Erdogan, and I want the Iron Throne, and I'm telling you what, a lot of the soldiers, I guess, are reporting that uh, they thought they were just on uh, out on an exercise.
1: And that's what makes this so weird. Like, did the president of Turkey actually come up with some sort of political stunt to give himself a boost in the polls or in the international press?
0: Well, I don't think it's—I don't think it's for a boost in the polls or international press. I think it's so he can seize power. I think so he can—he can get rid of the people who uh, were against him. I'm—I'm I'm not. My, I guess maybe I am more of a conspiracy person than I thought. But I want to keep my eyes on this story because it's starting to
1: smell like fake coup. Well, from a purely cynical standpoint, if that is the case—which we're not saying it is—but if it is, that is a brilliant political move. If he gets away with it,
0: if he gets away with it, if they've got more journalists in jail in Turkey, I think that dude leads the world. He is no hero. And they kept saying that, like I was watching uh, fake coup coverage on uh, the fake news, MSNBC, (laughs) MSNBC, home of the fake coup. They kept saying, here's here's. Here's when my antenna go up. When they keep repeating the same phrases over and over and over again. They go, "We should remind our viewers that he is a democratically elected uh president. He is the democratically elected guy. The fake uh this is a coup against the democratically elected uh, in and I'm like, they they keep they they keep hitting this democratically elected guy uh thing way too hard. I don't think uh old Game of Thrones Erdogan is such a great dude. Lots of journalists in jail. I think if you criticize Erdogan, you go to a jail again. (laughs) I think he's down with, uh, he's down with the terrorist groups. I don't think he, I think it now that he's done the fake coup, I'm like, I'm hoping for a real coup. And is it just me or does it seem like there's a, a coup in some Middle East country like every other week? It seems like it happens all the time.
1: Well, it's the follow-up from the Arab Spring that happened a couple of years back. It's the fallout.
0: The fallout from the Arab Spring. Oh, Arab Spring. They boy, they tried to put a they tried to make that nice, didn't they?
1: Yeah, they did.
0: Yeah. That uh that is not a good one. That is the Arab Spring was not a good idea. Oh, Hillary Clinton's comments on Nice. They're like uh well, like, what should we do, Hillary Clinton? What should we do? And she goes, well, i tell you what we shouldn't do. We shouldn't get into a ground war in the Middle East. Like, hey, nobody was asking you what we shouldn't do. What should we do? And it seems like every time Donald Trump says something like, oh, I want to do a temporary ban on Muslims from this part of the uh, of the world. Oh, that you're just helping the terrorists. You're just helping the terrorists. Like, what can we do? What can, and, I, and here's what I keep coming back to. I keep coming back to that little clip from the flip side that we have on YouTube, uh, Sharia land. And I really think we should do this. Ha, let's give a little hunk of Syria to the terrorists. And you can go to these communities in uh, in France and in Germany, and you want Sharia law. And if they go, yeah, I want Sharia law, you go, congratulations, guy. And you put them on a plane, and you send them straight to this little hunk of Syria where it's Sharia land. And you can live in Sharia land, and fantastic, you can live under Sharia law. Let's see how long your little civilization lasts.
1: Well, you know what the real fallacy is with that, not just that they're going to completely end up in the purge and, you know, becoming cannibalists, but we've seen that try to happen in Israel. You know, the Palestinians, they have their own way of doing things. They don't like the way that the Israelis are running things. So the Israelis have said on more than one occasion, great, look, here's what you're going to do. You can have your own state. You can run it however you want. You'll be completely independent. You will get no support from us, but you won't have any control over our borders and you can go off and you can do this you know what they said what no
0: exactly exactly that's why you have to force it on them that's why you just have to tell them no friend this is where you live and you know what you do you build a wall You con you call up donald trump and you go hey that that wall that you built uh, if, if by Mexico, could we get the the plans for that? Because we need to keep these people out and on there. Good fences make good neighbors, Andrew Apple.
1: <laughs> and good actually- fences
0: make new ne- good neighbors. And I'm so glad you brought up Israel in this whole thing because it just came out in the news that the Obama administration was using our tax dollars to support the guy who was running against Bibi Netanyahu. And this surprises you? It I find it shocking.
1: Well, no, I mean, because what the story is, is they were funneling U.S. tax dollars into Israeli support, which we give anyways. And that money did end up being used to help out Benjamin Netanyahu's opponent. And Obama and Netanyahu have a very, very contentious relationship. And the reason that they have a contentious relationship is because the Democrats have traditionally been much more unfriendly to Israel than Re- Republicans have. Uh, they want the two-state solution, whereas anyone who has spent more than five minutes in Israel will tell you the two-state solution does not work. It would only work if the Palestinians actually wanted peace. They don't. They want the death of Israel. And I shouldn't say the Palestinians. I have met many Palestinians. They are wonderful people. It is not the Palestinians who are the problem. It is the terrorists who are the problem, who do things in the name of free Palestine. And that's a real shame.
0: Yeah, a shame to say the very least. Do you remember when Obama – I thought, this, you just reminded me of this, like when he was first elected, and he was like, you know what? We should roll the borders back to like the 1967 borders in Israel. <sighs> uh, and you
1: know what? They tried that. Back in the early 2000s, when Ehud Barak was running Israel, when he was the prime minister, he went to Palestine and gave them a deal. They would have gotten back 97% of everything they lost in the Yom Kippur War in 1967. And they turned him down.
0: It's amazing, and I would have been so offended by the very suggestion. I'm like, no, you are not allowed to wipe. You're not allowed to try to wipe me off the face of the planet. You, you, and 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 when I win, you go. I want a do over. I, I, it just it drives me crazy. I mean, that's drives me crazy.
1: Michaeltopia, right there.
0: That is a Michaeltopia. Now watch, something bad will happen in politics, and I'll want a do-over, and I'll be the victim of my own
1: <laughs> hoisted on my own petard. It's okay, we don't crucify people in Michaeltopia. No, we don't. No, we don't. Crucifixion—that—that—that <laughs> that,
0: that was not a good way to go.
1: No, really, wasn't.
0: It really wasn't. That's a horrible way to kill people, and you know they're still doing that over there, which is horrendous. That's it is that's, horrendous. I mean, and, and, and here's a, here's another Michael Topia. Like when we say never again, when people talk about the Holocaust and they're like, never again. And then, you know, for a fact that ethnic cleansing is still going on. And I'm sorry that it's in like Rwanda and it's not the hot, you know, it's not the epicenter of the universe. Aren't we morally obligated to do something about it?
1: Absolutely. That that was the whole reason that we went into Iraq and Afghanistan in the first place.
0: It drives me crazy. God bless the Kurds. Those Kurds there are there's some tough fighters over there. Okay, do you have do you have some I I'm I'm just going through. Uh, oh, okay. I got some good Michael Topias. <laughs> but oh, before we get into Michael Topia, I'm sure there's going to be some of this uh that will edit out, but the the some stuff that I want to make sure that gets in, right? Mm-hmm. Is this uh Star Wars celebration is going on right now. It uh, man, sometimes movies just look great uh the suicide squad
1: oh that's gonna be fun
0: and i tell you whoever that girl is who plays uh harley quinn
1: margot robbie
0: holy moly i've seen some clips where it looks fantastic some clips where it's like meh but for the most part i think that's she, she's the luckiest actress in the world i'm sure she works very hard and she's very obviously she's very talented when i say she's lucky is like because she's the one that got the part I think that there, this could be a giant shift in female leads. Like, I think that character is going to be so much fun. I, I just want to see her. I just, I want to see the, I want to see the Harley Quinn Joker movie.
1: Oh, that's already in the works. They're definitely going to make that happen. They've got Jared Leto and Har- and Margot Robbie locked up for a little bit so that they can make a couple of really good movies with them.
0: I hope so. And boy, that Jared Leto, he looks like he's going to be a great Joker. I'm so stoked for Suicide Squad. And then last but not least, I'm out here in Long Island. I'm working on this Kevin James sitcom. It's coming along well, by the way. It's coming along. Yeah, it's going to be a funny show. We're doing some funny stuff. So I'm holed up last night. Uh, I was going to watch that movie 13 hours, but it was getting so late. I'm like, I don't want to go to bed angry. And I think the 13 hours movie is going to make it's going to make me angry. So I I jumped back into Daredevil on Netflix. Oh, Have, you seen it? Have you seen that?
1: I've watched both seasons.
0: Dude, I'm almost at the end of season one. And that show's phenomenal.
1: Oh, just wait till season two. Oh, my good. Like, they had the Punisher in season two, they add Elektra in season two. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's good stuff. Uh, you know who's,
0: who I really like in it? Is that that Vincent D'Onofrio.
1: Uh, he is the best kingpin we've ever seen, hands I down. I
0: swear.
1: It, like, I'm loving
0: everybody in it. The, other, the only weak link in the chain is uh, the other lawyer guy.
1: Oh, right? You don't like Foggy?
0: I think I think another actor really would have teed off on Foggy. I think that character on the page is really really awesome. I just don't think that kid is he's not ready for that part yet. I keep imagining other actors playing that role and like how much fun that would be.
1: So who would you like to see in your dream casting of Foggy? Who would play that role?
0: You know who jumps out? You know who jumps to the forefront? Who's that? Uh who's that? Who's that guy on um What's the, the HBO show, Silicon Valley?
1: Oh, T.J. Miller. Yeah. You know, I he, can see that.
0: You know who else would be great as Foggy? Who's that? Uh, a young Jack Black.
1: Yes. You and I are in complete agreement there. Absolutely. So
0: right off the top of our head, we've already named two other people who we would rather see <laughs> doing that part.
1: Yeah, but I love that actor. He was uh, Fulton Reed in The Mighty Ducks. He was one of the Bash brothers.
0: Oh, I never saw The Mighty Ducks.
1: I mean, you wouldn't appreciate it now, but when you're a kid, you know, it's just one of those movies that uh, it, really was, it was to uh,
0: it was uh it was it was Bad News Bears on yeah. with uh with hockey.
1: Absolutely. It was the 90s Bad News Bears. Absolutely. So,
0: I believe it is time we've uh that was the show business I wanted to I wanted to cover Suicide Squad, Rogue One, Daredevil, so much awesomeness going out there in the world. Keep your eyes open for the, the Kevin James show. Kevin can wait is what they're calling it. And I believe now it's time for us to take a little journey into Michael Topia.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Let's go.
0: Here, here's how Michaeltopia works. The regular world doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, there's a lot of craziness in the regular world, but if you go to Michaeltopia, there's a different set of rules. There's a different set of laws, and everything makes sense in Michaeltopia, and everything is wonderful. So, Andrew Apple, what's what what's some of the the new laws that you have for Michaeltopia?
1: All right, this is a two parter. All right. Okay. In Michaeltopia. If someone has to tell you that it's not okay to play Pokemon Go while you're driving, you're not allowed to play Pokemon Go. Also, if someone has to tell you that it's not cool to set off a Pokemon Go lore and then use that to try to get people to stump for Hillary Clinton and sign up to vote, you're not allowed to use Pokemon Go.
0: Is that what they're doing?
1: Yeah, Hillary Clinton and her campaign, they got supporters to set off Pokemon lures, and then when they got there, they were trying to get people to sign petitions and stump for Hillary and sign up to vote.
0: So the the pro Hillary people, they're sitting there with their little Pokemon lures, they got a bunch of Pokeballs and they're trying to capture young voters.
1: <laughs> yes, they are.
0: <laughs> I got a level I got a level two Latino. Oh. I got a level four independent. I got a level 12 Bernie supporter. (laughs) All right. In Michael-topia, we do not celebrate the wussy dad. I have had it with these Volvo commercials where there's like the aging hipster dad who's talking about how sad it is that his daughter's getting married. Have you seen this commercial? This one I have
1: not seen, no.
0: It's this hipster skinny dad. He's sitting in his Volvo and he's parked by the, the lighthouse and he's like, there's times in your life that you're going to be sad. And this is one of those times when you're not ready to let go of your daughter. Moo. And then he stares off into the distance. I want to punch this guy right in the face. Then I want to punch the director and then I want to bitch slap whoever came up with the idea of the sad dad. Then there's a, a sequel to the commercial Where this wussy dad is in the back seat and he's like in the back seat with like the kid who's marrying his daughter and in the front seat is his wife and she's driving the car. She's driving. She looks in the rearview mirror at, like, sad dad looking out the window, and she gets, like, this knowing grin on her face, and then she presses play, and it's some pseudo-hipster-doofus alt-rock song, and hipster dad looks at her in the rearview mirror like, good tune. Like, that's gonna want me to buy a Volvo? Are you out of your gourd? Like... I, I've never seen talk about the wussification of an entire gender what is wrong when are dudes gonna stand up and be dudes again
1: look that up okay yeah <laughs> do you have another michaeltopia I have another michaeltopia go we, for it in Michaeltopia you're not allowed to use social media when you don't understand social media and then you're not allowed to use the excuse I didn't understand social media when I posted this. <laughs> So, Danny Mathers, Playboy model, is, you know, doing what Playboy models do, what we should all do. She's at the gym, and she's using a Snap story. Michael, do you know what a Snap story is? No, I do not. All right, so if you're using Snapchat, you can send pictures and videos to your friends that last up to 10 seconds, and then they disappear forever. Or you can do a Snap story where any of your friends or anyone in the public can see your videos for 24 hours, and then they disappear forever. I so, love it. So a lot of playboy models, a lot of porn stars, a lot of, you know, people, they like to use this to sort of share their lives in a more immediate way than you can do on YouTube. So Danny Mathers, she's at LA Fitness working out, and she sends out a snap story of a 70-year-old naked woman in the shower with the caption, if I can't unsee this, neither can you. And then she apologizes by saying, oh, you know what, I'm sorry, that was supposed to be a private message, as if that makes it okay. I'm a horrible person, but I didn't want to tell you that I'm a horrible person. And you know what her payment is, Michael?
0: What is her payment?
1: She's been fired by Playboy, she has been banned from LA Fitness, and the LAPD is investigating her right now for using her phone in a locker room, which is illegal.
0: Yeah, you're not allowed to take naked pictures of people who don't know they're being photographed and then post them. Not at all. And what's her excuse, Andrew Apple, well, that she didn't know?
1: Yeah, she, her excuse was, I'm new to Snapchat, and I thought I was sending that to a friend privately.
0: So, in your michael ignorance is no excuse.
1: Exactly.
0: Alright, so, when Hillary Clinton says that she just acted carelessly and she didn't know. You want her to go to jail, right?
1: Michael, we've been over this. No one says what Hillary did was right. And James, uh, she was ignorant and ignorance is no excuse. No, it's it's absolutely not. But you know what? I hate to break it to you, Michael, and this is going to be a tough pill to swallow. Even with what the polls are right now, there's a good chance she's going to be our next president.
0: So you're saying the ends justify the means? No. You're saying it doesn't matter? You no, don't care? No. You don't all. care. I didn't she, say broke I... the, she broke the law and you don't care. I
1: didn't I... say I don't care. I'm just looking at what the reality is.
0: So you don't care?
1: <laughs> Michael, I do care. I'm also recognizing that this is the situation that we're in. You know, And we've said this right off the bat from the beginning. I think I've said this on the podcast before. And if I haven't, I'm saying it for the first time now, then so be it. In any election year... of the entire country is going to vote for the Democrats. 40% is going to vote for the Republicans. The candidates are fighting over that 10 to 20%, and that's what they need to win in any given moment. And we can talk about Hillary's emails. We can talk about Donald Trump's tax returns. We can talk about the Clinton Foundation. We can talk about Trump University. We can talk about all of it, and nothing is going to change the mind of 80% of this country.
0: And that, my friend is why we continue on because it is it I find it very disturbing when people can just go yep this woman not only did she break the law not only did she lie about it she actively lied about it and she knew she was lying she lied to Congress she knew what she was doing she didn't she wasn't forthcoming she didn't hand over all the evidence she lied she lied she lied And everybody is like, that's okay.
1: I I do take a little bit of issue with that. I don't think anyone thinks it's okay. I don't think Democrats think it's okay. I don't think that Republicans think it's okay. I think what's happening this year is if you are a Republican. you just feel that Hillary Clinton is not right for this country, and you think Donald Trump would be better. And if you're a yeah. Democrat, you feel the same way about Hillary. You may not love her, but you feel that she's going to do a better job than Donald Trump. So what both so here's, candidates— So
0: here's what I want to know. Here's what I know, and, and this is why I'm asking you. I was just looking at pictures of Danny Mathers, by the way. Good job. She's a cute girl. Yes, yeah, she is. Um, how is Hillary Clinton going to make things better? Are, are we talking— like, how, is, how is she going to help the country?
1: Um— I think, well, the first thing she's going to do, which she just announced, which I actually really appreciated, she's going to make sure that Citizens United gets overturned. I think that that's been a huge problem in this country, and she's going to make it so that that's not going to be a problem anymore. Uh, I, You know, you and I disagree on this, but I think we need to have a real conversation about the minimum wage, and I think that that conversation is actually going to be had when Hillary Clinton is, if it, I should say, if she gets into office. And her platform, which you should appreciate, has a factor to actually create small business loans from the government. And they're not going to have any—they say they're not going to have any regulation about it, whether or not that ends up being true. But I think that if the government can get out of the way, let small businesses have access to capital, I think that's going to be the best thing she could ever do for this country.
0: So she's actively going to get the federal government out of the way.
1: Well, and again, we've talked about this. I don't believe anything she's saying in— (laughs) I don't. I don't believe anything she's saying. I think that she's appealing to liberals. I think she's pandering. And when she actually becomes the president, she's going to be very, very moderate in her views. And she's not going to be the crazy liberal that Bernie supporters want her to be. And she's going to allow the government to get a little bit smaller. And the one exception is going to be Obamacare, which uh, she's going to spend a lot of time trying to fix which I think is what everyone wants everyone wants to fix Obamacare
0: that's wonderful but here's this is a this is a perfect this is a perfect uh, Michael topia to go with the, the idea of a Hillary presidency terrifies me terrifies might be a strong word deeply concerns me I am deeply concerned the the, the Isis threat that that's pretty big I think uh, I think everybody on the left is completely underestimating uh, what's going on with the radical jihadis. And that's all I'll say about that. This government would work so much better if everyone just stopped showing up to work. Like, if everybody in the federal government would just take a couple days, everything gets better. Everything gets better. That's why, in Michael Topia, we do not make fun of the Amish. <laughs> The Amish are one of the fastest growing segments of our population. Everybody thinks the Amish are slowly going away. The Amish are actually growing in popularity. And I tell you what, there's something very, very appealing about it. There's something very appealing about... Uh, that's the tr- To me, in a, in a lot of ways, the Amish are the, are the, the original libertarians. They're like, you know what? I'm not going to participate in any of this. I'm not going to go to your grocery store. I'm not going to go to your radio shack. Uh, I'm not going to do your Twitter and your Facebook. I'm just going to hang out on the farm. I'm going to grow my food. And when I need a barn, I'm going to help some of my, has, have some of my friends come over and help me. And I'm going to help them with theirs. And I'm just going to sit on the porch and eat apple pie and wear plain clothing. I tell you what, there's something very appealing about being Amish.
1: Well, uh, I look forward to doing completely analog podcast podcasts with you next week where i guess you're gonna have to be cranking the record player the entire time i'm gonna have to start leaving right now on my horse and buggy to get out to new york so that we can record this in the same room
0: there you go you know what an amish podcast is a good conversation
1: ah i love that
0: and so next week join us on the loftus party for another amish podcast (laughs) it's just gonna be good conversation Thank you so much. Um, I, I tell you what, and I appreciate you guys going to, uh, to, to iTunes and leaving the comments and checking us out on SoundCloud and all that good stuff. It's a wonderful thing. Powerful forces are at work. You may not know it. Powerful forces are at work. Thank you so much. Please check out the and stay tuned. We got season 3 starting in in just a matter of weeks. It's countdown to season 3 of the Flipside show. Can you believe that?
1: I cannot believe that. I I we just finished season 2.
0: I'm astounded. I'm astounded. So we'll have more news for you, more showbiz, more of everything. Next week on the Loftus Party. Have a good time everybody. I love you.